Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, home of this gathered community known as Kensington Unitarians. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jane Blackall, and I work here as Outreach Officer. Our minister, Sarah Tinker, is on sabbatical still for another week or so. And our friend, the student minister, Katie McKenna, who was due to be leading worship this morning, is laid low with the lurgy. So we're all mucking in this morning. I'm your last minute substitute. Uh, I'll be leading the service with help of a few members of the congregation. Our opening words this morning are by Erica Hewitt. As we enter into worship, put away the pressures of the world that ask us to perform, to take up masks, to put on brave fronts. Silence the voices that ask you to be perfect. This is a community of compassion and welcoming. You do not have to do anything to earn the love contained within these walls. You do not have to be braver, smarter, stronger, better than you are in this moment to belong here with us. You only have to bring the gift of your body, no matter how able, your seeking mind, no matter how busy, your animal heart, no matter how broken. Bring all that you are and all that you love to this hour together. We're going to start, as is our custom, by lighting our chalice, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. And Janine's going to come and light the flame for us. We light this chalice for all who are here and all who are not. For all who have ever walked through our doors. For those who may yet find this spiritual home. And for those we can't even yet imagine. For each of us and for all, may this flame burn warm and bright. Today's service is on the theme of hospitality, particularly the hospitality that we can offer here to visitors to our congregation. Um, During the service, I'll invite you to think about the ways in which this community can be more welcoming and consider the part that each and every one of us can play in making this a place where people might want to settle down and make their spiritual home. I invite you now to join in a time of prayer and reflection. Let us now settle ourselves into deep silence. Become aware as you sit here now of the divine that is within each of us. And may we open to that presence in our own way. May we take this time to acknowledge any concerns within our lives to trust that we will receive the guidance we seek, allowing us to open in loving connection to our deepest self. May we bring to mind any moments of upliftment, joy, heart connection or excitement, any experiences that have made us feel more open, loving or connected. We ask for your grace and support in our times of need and distress. Help us to acknowledge our failings. Forgive us and bestow on us the grace to forgive others. 
knowing that we are innocent and forgetful. Help us to remember the truth of who we are. Now let us remember our human family, those who are suffering physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. The young, the elderly, the sick, the poor, the lonely. All who need your support, strength, and our blessings at this time. Help us to make peace with our light and darkness. Guide and inspire us to see beyond our conditioning. To be at one with life as it is. In your eternal loving presence. In the coming week, we ask and give thanks for your guidance and support in each day's endeavours. May we be kind to ourselves and others, connecting our hearts and mind. And may we compassionately respond to all opportunities to be of service to our loved ones, those who cross our path, and all of humanity. Amen. I knew a man once who came to church every Sunday. You may find nothing remarkable in this. But think of it. A man who came every single Sunday. And it was not that he didn't have anything else to do. I only met him in the last years of his life. A birthright Unitarian. A retired geologist. Who when he was not in church was a volunteer for Amnesty International. For the local food bank. For the Civil Liberties Union for the Family Planning Clinic, the AIDS Project, and the Unitarian Universalist District we were part of, for nature conservation and for a splendid community chorus. Busier than any of us holding full-time jobs, he was committed, effective, clear about what he could and would, and by his own standards should contribute to, the causes he cared for, the world and the people that he cared for. But what set him apart from all of us was that he came every single Sunday. And because of hearing loss, I think, more than a sense of his own importance, he sat in the front row. Why do you come, John, in all kinds of weather? When you're well, when you're not, when you like the guest speaker, and when you know you won't. Why do you come every Sunday? I asked him not long before he died. His answer was straightforward, just like the man himself. I come, he said, because somebody might miss me if I didn't. He said it in a way not arrogant at all, but generously and honestly. He was the kind of person who saw it as his duty and his privilege to welcome newcomers on Sunday morning. Not because he needed more friends himself, The man was 80 years old, with a lifetime of friends and colleagues and acquaintances to spare. He had plenty of friends already, more than he could handle. He did it not because he wanted to evangelise the visitors or grow the church. On the contrary, he loved and missed the tiny congregation he joined in 1955. He felt a little lost with so many new faces, a little sad at all the changes. He greeted people as they came and steered them towards the minister or the coffee pot, the Sunday school, the guest book, 
standing order forms, the sign-up sheets, because he thought, felt that it was the right and the only thing to do. When people come into your home, you welcome them as if nothing in that moment matters more. He worked hard on Sunday mornings. He got up on Sundays expecting to work hard to make others feel at home. He came with that in mind. And he was right. After he died, we missed him when he didn't come. And do you know what happened? The Sunday after his memorial, someone new, who'd never met John and now never would have the chance, walked right in and sat down in his empty place in the front row. A whole family just sat right down as if they owned the place, as if they had every right to be there, as if we were glad to see them. Two women new to town and their toddler and their baby. They hoped coming there was room. And there was. And John himself would have been delighted. The mission of every Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community is to offer an open door to all souls, then to lovingly attend to those who choose to join our household. Outsiders are kindly welcomed and sensitively treated once inside. Consequently, extending the hand of fellowship and steadfast caregiving comprises the hospitable rhythm of a community of faith. Mature church life begins with hospitality, the most ancient religious rite, hallowed in every tradition, at least in writ, if less successfully in practice. All of us, in one way or another, at one time or another, are the caves in which others find shelter and kinship through the ritual bond of hospitality. In the first church of San Diego, we regularly said the following affirmation at the beginning of our worship service. Welcome, one and all, to our Unitarian Universalist religious community. We welcome you, whoever you are, whatever tradition, gender, race, sexual orientation, or age you represent. In our presence, may you walk the ways of truthfulness, service, and holiness. And through all your days and nights in our presence, may you experience love. On paper, this is a pretty solid statement. But on reviewing it recently, I noticed two oversights. First, we left out class, an often ignored category, particularly given the homogenous economic statement status of many Unitarian Universalists. And the phrase, may you walk, assumes that everybody is able-bodied. There are people in almost every congregation who aren't able to walk. Clearly, one could ferret out some flaw or another in the well-intentioned welcoming words or mission statements found in any of our liberal churches. We repeatedly fall short of our ideals. However, our goal remains to become, without growing obsessive, gradually more inclusive paying sincere attention to who might be left out in our hymn or reading selections, 
or in all the sundry rituals of congregational life. Healthy congregations discover new ways to be genuinely expansive, while realising that people are fallible and our churches will keep missing the mark. Newcomers to our fold need to be informed early on that although they will will feel affirmed in some of their convictions, many of their entrenched views will be confronted and challenged. This is the maddening but necessary paradox we religious liberals must ride. We're accepted as we are, even as we're challenged to grow towards who we might become. In a creedal faith, people are united by common belief. In a covenantal faith, we are united by mutual caring. We are summoned, in fair or foul weather, to love alike, even when we do not believe alike. Our liberal religious covenant is to trust one another, to seek help when we're down, and to offer assistance when we are able. Hospitality is strenuous work. The author, Tom Owen Tull, closed with some excerpts from a membership ceremony which was formed in his own church. And it sums up the essentials of this message to the newcomer. And he writes, We are happy that you are with us. We gladly share with you in everything that strengthens this congregation. And we stand with you against anything that will injure or weaken it. We believe that membership in our beloved community will enrich and enlarge your life as well as ours. We want your gifts. We offer you ours. Know well that in our membership you are truly accepted to come as you are and to grow who you wish to become. Let's take that into a time of meditation now. Uh, You might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding. Perhaps get your feet flat on the floor. You might want to look at the candles in the centre or close your eyes. I'm going to read some introductory words uh, by Kathleen McTeague. And then I think a good three or four minutes of silence and stillness that we can share. Here in the refuge of this Sabbath home, we turn our busy minds towards silence and turn our full hearts towards each other. Even in our sorrows, we feel our lives cradled in a holiness which we cannot comprehend. And though we each walk a vast loneliness, the promise we offer here is that we do not walk alone. In this place of silence and celebration, solemnity and music, we make a sanctuary and name our home. Into this home we bring our hunger for awakening. We bring compassionate hearts and a will towards justice. We bring the courage to walk on after hard losses. 
we bring our joy and gratitude for ordinary blessings. This is a holy place in which we gather. By our gathering, we bless this place. In its shelter, we know ourselves blessed. Let us enter a time of stillness and silence now. Into this home we bring our joy, our gratitude for ordinary blessings. By our gathering we bless this place, and in its shelter we know ourselves blessed. Amen. Prayer for this church by Nancy Schaffer. May each one among us have skin that longs to touch other skin. Fingertips that long for other fingertips, or whole hands, or even arms. Bodies that want to stand next to other bodies, not alone, while singing and bending, stirring soup. May ones whose skin doesn't cry out for the other skin wish it did, and so teach it, so that no one stands alone and no one aches and does not say so. May our doors be so open it is drafty inside. And people sometimes shout because noises without come also within. May those sheltered here sometimes cry, all at once letting tear water clear what words by themselves cannot. In silent times may everyone present hear everyone else's breathing and know this is not separate from how the world breathes all night. May we always have enough room for those many who want to come in. May those who cherish this church be so glad they cannot stop speaking, stop asking, and may that crowding itself be a gladness as we keep adding rooms. May we notice each one who is new and invite her to stay. May our list of names for the holy not ever be finished, and may we hear God chuckling with us as we still find more. You know that famous saying, um, I'm sorry I sent you such a long letter, I didn't have time to write a short one. (laughs) As your last minute substitute in the pulpit today, I'm going to offer a few thoughts on what it means to be hospitable in our spiritual home here at Essex Church. This was meant to be a five minute reflection and it turned out to be a ten minute sermon. (laughs) Often our services consider issues that might help us to lead better lives as individuals. But I reckon it's important once in a while to consider what might help us to lead a better life as a church community. How should we live together? I hope there will still be something in this service for you today, regardless of whether or not you're already a committed member of the church, whether you're a visitor. Hospitality is an important important consideration in many different groups we're part of, and the lessons we have to take note of as a congregation are more widely applicable. 
The issues we're talking about here, about hospitality, have parallels at a smaller scale in our homes, our families and our friendship groups, and perhaps also at a larger scale in our nation and the world as a whole. Now, Kensington Unitarians, I'm not setting out to flatter you all, but I should acknowledge in one sense I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Over the last few years, we've often heard visitors speak highly of the warm welcome they've received here. And perhaps the highest tribute to the hospitality we already give is that some of those visitors have come back. And they've kept coming back. And some of those people will have become members and friends, and they're the ones who now stand in the foyer giving a welcome to the next newcomer that walks through the door. So my preliminaries are thumbs up, good, good work, you're already doing very well. <laughs> At the same time, it's always good to reflect on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and whether we might be able to do it better. If anyone is here for the first time today, I want to say you've got something to teach the rest of us. You're seeing this place and the people with fresh eyes. And if you're up for it, do stay for a chat at tea afterwards and you know, let us know how we're doing. Quite often you'll hear people talk about hospitality as a significant spiritual practice. It's certainly a central obligation in most of the major world religions and in the reading we heard earlier from Tom Owen Toll, he said, mature church life begins with hospitality, the most ancient religious rite, hallowed in every tradition, at least in writ, if less successfully in practice. We are fallible. So I'm going to pull out three strands, three virtues that we might focus on to help us get a better grip on what hospitality requires of us. Those virtues are awareness, sensitivity and generosity. As we examine each of these threads in turn, I'm going to try and spell out what they might look like here in this church. So starting with awareness. Perhaps the most basic aspect of hospitality is simply noticing the visitor on a busy Sunday morning in church when some of us are rushing about to get everything ready for the service, others are greeting old friends, catching up on the news it is possible, quite possible that a visitor could come in, not be noticed, be left to their own devices, stand awkwardly in the foyer of an unfamiliar building filled with a community of people who all seem to know each other already and who have their own funny ways (laughs) I don't think this happens very often, but I suspect it does happen from time to time. And this might be stating the obvious, but you can only notice who's new if you already know who's old, for want of a better word. (laughs) The more regularly you attend, the more likely you are to know who's who, the more likely you are to spot someone who hasn't been before and be in a position to offer the special welcome that a newcomer needs. Think of that character from our first reading, John, who came to church every single Sunday rain or shine. Few of us these days are in a position to be here week in, week out, come what may. The demands of work and family and the irregularity of modern life, especially here in London, conspire against us. However, the more regularly you can get here, the more often you stay on after the service for a cup of tea and a chat, the more deep and rich your network of relationships here will become. And the more you realise, like John in the story, that someone might miss you if you didn't come. And I hope you do all realise that. It's not like anyone's checking up on you in a creepy way. But we do miss you if you're not here. First off, people will wonder where you are and if you're all right. And yes, we also miss your contribution, your practical help to keep the show on the road. What I'm trying to say is your presence matters. You matter. 
Back to the question of awareness, especially around newcomers. There are basic practical things you need to know when you first arrive, if you've never been here before. Where are the toilets? Where do I hang my coat up? Can I get a drink of water or a cup of tea? There are various quirks of the way we do things around here that probably need explaining. And if the newcomer has never been to any church before, which is not that uncommon these days, they might be anxious about making a faux pas of some sort, standing up when they should be sitting down. They don't know what's going to happen. There are some bits of infrastructure and some systems and routines we can put in place. We can put up notices to say where the toilets are, where the kitchen is. Um, the worship leader can make announcements telling people when they've got to stand up and sit down or rather inviting them to stand and sit as they are able, as I try to say. We can provide a printed order of service, which of course not every congregation does, so that people know what's coming up and no surprises are going to be sprung on people, um, which would make them feel unnecessarily anxious. Even more basic than that, we can make sure the place is clean and comfortable and warm enough. We can and we should do these things, and mostly we do, but none of this replaces the human touch. In the end, hospitality is about human connection, people responding to each other. So this brings me on to my second strand, sensitivity. Do you remember the first time you crossed the threshold of this church? Was it a casual thing for you or a big deal? Can you recall what it is that drew you to this place as a visitor, as a newcomer, the first time? Some come because they seek liberal religious teaching or intellectual stimulation. Some seek a spiritual workshop where they can wrestle with life's big questions. Some, perhaps the majority, come to church because they are yearning for connection. Maybe they're lonely, they're looking for community, maybe a friend invited them. People have vastly different prior experience of religious and spiritual communities and they are likely to arrive here with quite a range of different expectations as a result. Visitors arrive at our front door for all sorts of reasons with all manner of different needs and they, we, have differing temperaments, some more introvert, some more extrovert. So a key part of hospitality is displaying sensitivity to the particular person, the honoured guest, the unique individual with their own particular quirks and charms that has arrived in front of us. There's one classic and fairly fundamental dilemma we face when welcoming a newcomer here. On the one hand, there is a deep human need that most people share, and that is the need to be seen, heard and acknowledged. Ultimately, the need to be known. How awful would it feel to turn up on a Sunday, come and go and leave no trace, have nobody taken interest in you, nobody ask your name. On that basis, we tend to think the best way to welcome a visitor is to bound up to them, introduce ourselves, ask their name, find out about them, maybe introduce them to one or two others you think they might get on with. If you want a gold star from Sarah, our minister, perhaps let them know about groups and activities here that they might be interested in, maybe even invite them to leave their email address so we can send them more information. This is all good, well-intentioned stuff. It's what we encourage our official greeters to do. But... For some visitors, that is all too much. Maybe so much that they won't come back if you do it. It's like an over-attentive host at a party, constantly fussing over you, someone who won't leave you alone for a second. When I first came here 16 years ago, I was extremely shy. I hardly talked to anyone for months and months on end. People might can testify to this. Uh, I was glad of being able to lurk while I sussed the place out. People were friendly but not over-friendly, and I could you know, take my time. It's a difficult balance to strike, being friendly and interested, 
but not over-friendly and intrusive. People want connection, but they also want space. And that is why sensitivity is a key part of hospitality. On to my final strand, generosity. This is not just about being materially generous in the way that a good host might be in their own home, though I do want you to know that me and Juliet have made cakes and scones and bread pudding for you to enjoy after the service. We felt it was in keeping with the, with the theme of the day. Um, really, I'm thinking about generosity in terms of generosity of spirit, generosity with your presence, your time and attention, making a place at the table for strangers who might become friends, generosity with your insight and wisdom, sharing whatever fragments of wisdom you might have picked up along the way and being open to the wisdom of others, what they might have to share with you. Also, um, the, Tom Owen Toll kind of referred to this as well, the generosity of inclusion. Think of the words of the hymn we sang earlier. Break not the circle, make it wider still, till it includes, embraces all the living. For me, a hospitable community is always reflecting on ways to be more inclusive, to work on removing invisible barriers that might stop people from joining us. What, from our (coughs) church's position of relative privilege, are we not aware of? What are we not seeing? Just as an aside, the Unitarian Universalist Association in the States has done some really good work on all sorts of inclusion issues. A few that spring to mind is work on accessibility for those with physical disabilities and mental health issues, uh, particularly work on the LGBT Welcoming Congregations project, which helps churches be more intentional to, in their welcome to lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender people, all of those groups, educating Unitarians about specific barriers to inclusion that all of those people might face and what we can do about it. I think this sort of intentional inclusion of marginalised groups is an area as a congregation where perhaps we've got more work to do, and perhaps there'll always be more work to do, because the circle can always be made wider. So awareness, sensitivity, generosity, three hallmarks of a hospitable congregation. I'm going to end more or less where I started by saying this. We're doing all right. We're already a hospitable congregation, but it's good for us, each one of us, everyone who has a sense that this is their church, to reflect on what we can do personally to make it ever more welcoming. In the words of the reading by Nancy Schaffer, may we always have enough room for those many who want to come in. May we notice each one who is new and invite them to stay. May it be so. Amen. And now we take our leave. Before we gather here again, may each of us bring happiness into another's life. May we each be surprised by the gifts that surround us. And may each of us be enlivened by constant curiosity. And may we remain together in spirit until the hour we meet again. Amen.